1: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio.
0: He was up each morning with the dawn because he knew his daily run. Long and hard, and he had to be ready To get his freight train down the track to Determination he would never lack A little locomotive called Freight Train Freddy Everybody
2: Hi everyone, welcome to Getting on Top. I'm your host Paul Morris. We're here now Tuesdays from 4 to 4.30 p.m., that's East Coast time, and we broadcast from the southern Hudson Valley region of New York State. If you out of towners, that's just the northern suburbs of New York City, my hometown, and uh, we have a call-in number if someone has a question or comment for me or my guest, and that number is one three four seven two one five nine four five six. and that little ditty was uh, Freight Train Freddy, sung and written by Peter Tazone. And uh, I wrote the book. It's a rhyming children's story about a 19th century f- freight train and uh, going through the uh, Old West. And uh, Peter is the illustrator. If someone would like to see some of Peter's beautiful pictures or read some of my verse, uh rhyming verse, you can go to ftfcreations.com. That's FTF as in Freight Train Freddy. Creations.com, you can get the ebook for $2.99 for the Kindle or the Apple iPad. The iPad version also has a whole song, uh, Peter's song, and you could also purchase the uh, soft cover version just in time for Christmas. I'm very happy today to have with us Blake Bauer, and we're going to be talking about You Are Not Born to Suffer. And Blake is an internationally recognized author, counselor, alternative medicine practitioner, his best selling book, You Are Not Born to Suffer, and a pioneering work center on loving yourself unconditionally. Blake's formal education includes traditional Chinese medicine, five element Chinese medicine, nutritional medicine, herbal healing, psychology, and past life regression. Bringing together what he has found to be the most effective spiritual and holistic approaches to health and well-being, Blake's work and teachings have successfully guided thousands of people internationally toward greater uh, psychology, psychological, emotional, physical, financial, and spiritual freedom. If You can, you can find out more about Blake at wwwunconditional selflove Hi, Blake. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you, Paul. How are you today? Excellent. And I read that you're abroad often, uh, Australia a lot. Uh, Are you uh, in Chicago today or uh, out of the
1: States? No, I'm in Geelong, Victoria in Australia, which is just an hour south of Melbourne. And it's about 8 a.m. on Wednesday morning
2: okay <laughs> gotcha, you're a day ahead of us, okay, yeah. uh, you're chime in the new year a little before us yeah <laughs> the, the uh, future I, the future is the future looks good,
1: it's not as okay. scary as we thought it would be
2: <laughs> okay it's good to know good to know uh, we have we have a lot to cover there's so much uh interesting uh topics in your book uh so why don't we just get started? Um, I know from, you know, looking at your book and reading your website that you had sort of a troubled past. Uh, You were an athlete and then, you know, you had some trouble with drugs perhaps and alcohol and the law and uh, then you hit bottom and turned yourself around. So why don't you briefly tell the audience, you know, what that was about?
1: Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Thank you, Paul. Um, Like a lot of us, you know, I grew up in a family that was often quite dysfunctional, um, dramatic and painful, uh, emotionally, uh, you know, severe fluctuations, financially severe fluctuations. My parents divorced when I was young. Then, um, when I was, when I was about 14 years old, I got heavily into first smoking pot and uh, marijuana and drinking socially just to kind of fit in and, and be cool. And, Uh, be accepted, and I tend to have an extreme personality, so I just became quite addicted to to smoking and to drinking, and then I started to pop pills, different types of pharmaceutical drugs that I didn't have prescriptions for, and experimenting with them, and then again became quite addicted to them. I didn't know it at the time, but I was numbing myself uh, to all of the psychological and emotional pain that was stuck in my body from my childhood and teenage life, and so I continued to go, um, you know, deeper and deeper into drugs and, and alcohol and, to you know, a very self-destructive relationship to myself, and um, by the time I was 18, I had been arrested quite a few times, and I had started to sell drugs and had been arrested for drug oh. possession a number of times, mm-hmm. and um I also played uh American football and was a linebacker and was uh the captain or uh, I had two other captains with me a captain of my varsity football team and um you know for a, not a very tall uh white uh football player in America I was you know good for for what I what I was and had some offers to play uh, in university and college football And I got a DUI one night coming home after a night of partying. And at three o'clock in the morning, I got to a a train and the, um, you know, the train tracks and freight train came through. I put my car in park while the train passed and I fell asleep. And I woke up to police knocking on the window and, you know, was obviously uh, over the limit for alcohol, had drugs in my system, drugs in my car, um, was arrested, then kicked off the team. Um, and then I also had a girlfriend at the time who I hurt very deeply and broke her heart and didn't realize I was breaking my own heart in doing that. And between her and football and, and my friends and, and the social life and the lifestyle that that was and pushing that, pushing it all away, I basically, um, lost who I thought I was. So it was very much tied up with my identity. So my, who I thought I was, my ego structure, my identity crumbled And I went from being quite arrogant and thinking that I was invincible to being quite insecure and quite lost and confused and very anxious and tortured in my mind and paranoid. Um, And then at 18 years old, found myself faced with the pressure of what do I do with my life? Do I study? Do I work? What do I study? What What do I do to make a living? And um, you know that pressure led to two questions being: um, How do I heal myself from this suffering that I can't seem to get out of? That I feel trapped in when I wake up every morning with a tortured mind and a restless, anxious heart. And what is the purpose of it all? What's the purpose of my life? Why did I come? Yeah, to what turned the you around? That's well, that's just what pain. A lot of people why not? It was pain. What? You know and it wasn't yeah, just, but there's, there's was a moving. point at
2: which a decision is made i know i had a- i had a brother in law who was a drug addict, and uh, you know he fin- i i mean he, he couldn't wipe his own behind and he finally hit bottom and he turned himself around and wound up helping other people like yourself and i mean if you knew him before, you'd say this guy couldn't help any you know couldn't help himself and he wound up helping other. But there's something that happens, right? A switch goes off? You know yeah, I mean? well,
1: for me, for me, it was losing football and losing my girlfriend and then the pain of kind of dragging myself out of all the, that loss and the loss of my identity. Um, so that, that's where I would say was the, the tipping point mm-hmm. for me. But a lot yeah. of people, you know, think it's a quick process. For me, it was a it was a slow process of, you know, growth okay. and having to, Make Because it's a decision you face every day and every yeah. weekend. You know, yeah. it's not, you know, and then it yeah. gets easier over time. But in the beginning, yeah. it can be years of having to face those decisions yeah. Yeah. of not drinking, yeah. not getting high, not going yeah. out with certain people, not socializing yeah. with people who have those yeah. unhealthy habits, you know, but maybe handled it sure. better or weren't as extreme. So, okay
2: so you so, you turn yourself around, and what made you get involved in the kind of work you're doing now?
1: Well, selfishly, I was just seeking relief from my own suffering in my heart my my mind and my body, so I just started to study and explore different things to make me feel better and mm-hmm. to heal me, and at the same time i always I was very much aware that. I needed to find a practical way of being in the world to support myself and make a living. And the only thing that ever interested me was the topics of healing really. So that's what got me oh, into uh-huh. psychology and natural medicine and Chinese medicine. And so I was kind of trying to, you know, water two trees with one hose, if you will. And, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, kind of heal myself, but also learn a, a, a craft, if you will that would would serve me in the external world as well and um you know and I was very lucky to to kind of to explore a number of different things and to to walk that path and eventually to find the answers that I was looking for
2: yeah i just want to say something you know people with extreme personalities you know it's like everything else in life is a double edged sword it could be your worst nightmare like it was when you were younger or when you're on the right path, you know, it could make you somebody who is very important, you know, to the world that that helps so just want to throw yes. that out. So let's get yeah, to your book if
1: you don't mind I got it. sorry. No, not at all. Yeah. But I did I wanted to say just based on what you just said, I I often will say to people, you know, I have an addictive personality and I I what I did was I channeled, I redirected that addiction, I became addicted to meditation. And I became addicted to yoga, and I became addicted to qigong and to eating right, and those addictions served me, you know, and liberated me. So, um, you know, I agree with you wholeheartedly on what you just said.
2: Yeah, I think it's important, and part of why I do the show is to help people who are trying to find their way, you know. And people might think, "Well, I'm addicted, person," but as you, as your life showed, you could you could use that addiction for very healthy and helpful things too. So it's not only going in one direction. So they shouldn't despair and think it's, you know, there's no use. not at all. It's like a fire hose. You could knock people down with it or you could put out a fire, you know, it's just the way you direct that energy and, and, and uh, flow. So, yeah, uh, I, I like the topics in your book. So if we can start with that, uh the purpose of suffering i mean this is a this is such an important topic what what do you think it is
1: well in my experience um the my suffering and the suffering that i've worked with now thousands of people on um it's served me and i believe it serves us to um realize how strong we are i think that's mm-hmm. a really big part of it how mm-hmm. how much how much capacity we have to overcome and then to achieve our highest vision for our life and our dreams, whatever those dreams are, that that's mm-hmm. our destiny. And our destiny is to find the strength to actually realize them and overcome all the, you know, limiting beliefs and the conditionings of our parents and society and religion and education and and to still become all of who we are and who we're destined to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, In my experience, our suffering teaches us about love, about compassion, about Mm -hmm. forgiveness and and understanding, and that journey begins with ourselves, with um, learning how to love ourselves and forgive ourselves and um, really take good care of ourselves. So basically, when people are struggling with depression or some kind of physical disease, um, all of my explorations have basically led me to the idea that all all depression and disease is the result of us never learning how to love ourselves as children and then continuing this toxic and unhealthy relationship to ourselves throughout our life and that that really is our demise. And I I, I talk a lot about how we as kids learn to internalize our emotions out of fear in exchange for love and approval and acceptance and security and support. And then most of us as teenagers and as adults do the same thing. We, you know, keep in what we really think and feel because a lot of us don't even know how to talk about it. And then if we do know how to talk about what we're afraid of talking about it because we don't want to, we want to keep the peace or we don't want to lose someone's love or we're afraid of being alone or, Mm -hmm. you know, we feel, you know, trapped by our fear. So in my experience, you know, our suffering is showing us where we still need to love ourselves more, which then renders us capable of loving others more purely and unconditionally, and you know, and, and then and then also my suffering always shows me where I can grow and learn to enjoy life more, and stop relating to myself through thought, through action, through fear, and in an unhealthy way, and then turn that around so that I can each day be a bit more healthy. And enjoy my life a bit more.
2: Yeah, and and uh, <clears throat> you know it, it, it's interesting. There's a moment when something like strikes you. And I remember driving in a car, and it was this uh, someone. This author was being uh, actually was a, he was a screenwriter. and He was being uh, interviewed, and he, he, his addiction was to prostitutes. So that you know he, he lost two marriages because he couldn't control himself. He kept on going to prostitutes. And and the the interviewer said, "Well, what made you turned around? What made you change?" And he said it so simply. He said, "I suffered enough. <laughs> I suffered." Yeah. Enough. So it said to me, suffering. The reason, one of the reasons for suffering, also is to promote change. You know, after you reach a certain point, <laughs> you know, you just had enough, and it, it makes you, yeah. you know, helps you change and move forward. So that was, you know, something that was important. So you talk about being yourself, fitting in when, you know, when you're a teenager, fitting in is so important. And yet you say, surrender, let go, be yourself. And how does that help you transcend, you know, trying to please everyone or to fit in? You know, why, how is that important
1: in that regard? Well, we all, we all do it in some way, Paul, you know, whether it's with a, a, Spouse, a partner, our parents, children, friends, or at work you know we all have learned from a young age to <clears throat> to compromise ourselves, you know to please others to just not be the object of criticism or the object of judgment or the object object of bullying or you know to be an outcast so for me i've i've learned that the pain of rejecting myself and not being true to myself is much worse than the pain of being rejected by somebody else. And I think that took me a long time to realize. And I think it takes all of us a long time to realize because we're so used to seeking love and approval outside of ourselves because we've never learned how to value ourselves and, and give that to ourselves in a way where we say, you know, what other people think of me is not my problem. And, and, You know, what other people think of me says more about them than it does really about me. And that's because we've grown up with this external reference point of our sense of self. And we haven't learned how to have a really strong and healthy sense of self. And we grow up learning that basically to love yourself is selfish. And that's a a really, really limiting belief. I actually was just on the phone with one of the biggest publishers in the world talking about uh, my next book idea, and a few of my next book ideas and one of them is on this topic of selfishness and how everybody's actually selfish and that it's the sure. biggest limiting belief and myth in you know one of the one of the biggest in the human psyche that destroys us and mm. if we can learn to own the fact that we're all selfish and do it in a healthy way instead of a self-destructive way that that not only could change our lives for the better but it would change the world for the better mm.
2: um, yeah no so question you know, about it. We're
1: on the- when we're on an
2: airplane, they always say, "Put your mask right. on first. You know, right. it, there are certain areas of life where you know there's no baloney. When it comes to right. life and death, you know, there's, yeah. there's no political correct this, that, the other thing. It's just survival. It's like if you're a military or a police officer, or, or if it comes to something like that. So you know, you know that's that it. may sound silly, you know selfish, but this you know they know what they're talking about. And it it makes you think if you can take good care of yourself, you could then be ready to take a lot better care of everyone else. And if you don't take good care of yourself, you're not in position to help people as much as you you need to. So uh, that's very important. Also, when you were talking before, you know, about trying to fit in and pleasing people and all that stuff and go along to get along, you know, it's funny. Once you start really respecting yourself, the funny thing happens: people start respecting you even more, you know, right. because they could see that you have that that you know confidence. And it, but it's hard to get past that that thinking. It's a, it's it's an interesting uh, irony. You talk about uh, personal responsibility. That's 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 so big. What
1: did you find out yes. about that along the way? Well, I found out that my ability to be at peace uh, and happy and and healthy is 100% connected to my ability to take responsibility for my life and not to blame um, anyone or anything for where I am in life or how I feel. Um, So to be able to, you know, stop blaming my parents or stop blaming God or stop blaming an ex, you know, all the, all these other people that we tend to blame. And then at, and then at the, the subtle, the subtle end of that journey is to not blame yourself either is to not blame yourself for, you know, what we call mistakes, which are really lessons learned and to learn to forgive myself. Um, And so basically I just realized that I could only have what I want in life and feel good in life to the degree that I was willing to be accountable for where I am and what I've created and not blame anyone or anything outside of myself and not blame myself either and, and beat myself up. And then it actually brings to a much bigger topic, which is actually much more controversial, which is my perspective is that we are one with what we call God or one with Mm -hmm. the universe. And Mm -hmm. I have found that when I was able to own that, that when I was able to own the fact that I was one with the universe and one with God, just like you and I believe every other human being, that Mm -hmm. once I was able to own that, then there was no aspect of my psyche or my life that was outside of my grasp to heal. Mm -hmm. So I found that when I owned my oneness with our creator and that Mm -hmm. universal intelligence, that then i was given access to heal everything that that i couldn't heal or to achieve everything that i couldn't achieve up until that point so um and that's a big thing you know because that challenges all of our limiting beliefs about who we are and how small we are how big we are or you know does god exist and what is god and what's our relationship to that power that higher power <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it's a very loaded, loaded topic. But really, where the the pinnacle of uh, that that personal responsibility takes us, and that's actually connected connected very strongly to your first question, which is, what's the purpose of suffering? Because I got to this point, my journey, my healing and spiritual growth, where I began to ask, you know, if if we are that powerful, if we're one with God and one with the universe, and you know we've created our lives why would we ever choose to suffer you know like as human beings yes. and okay. like what's the purpose of it and why would mm-hmm. we what, what was the purpose that we saw in it to create it to set it in motion mm-hmm. and yeah. what came of that was right. me real my own feeling that we we choose to suffer and the purpose of suffering is tied up with us needing in in, in as human beings to set up this lesson of forgiving ourselves because through, through creating pain, what we call our mistakes or choosing things that are painful um, or allowing things that are painful, we actually learn through that experience how to forgive ourselves for creating pain or allowing pain. And I have found that forgiving myself and over, in general us forgiving ourselves is, the, is one of the biggest keys to unconditional love. First of myself and then because i can only love another to the degree that i love myself it's also a key to loving others unconditionally because sure. when you see that you you have created pain and allowed pain you can understand that you know we're all struggling with the same thing and that you know like a person is only reacting and angry or addicted or manipulative or mean because deep down they're suffering and they haven't learned how to forgive themselves or others yet So um, that, too, is tied up with the idea of personal responsibility is, you know, because it's like if we're taking 100 percent responsibility, then I'm I'm responsible for the suffering of my life. Even in my childhood. Why would I choose that? Why did I choose this experience? And in my experience, it's to find that strength, find forgiveness, bring that into the world and then use it to enjoy life. And then and then the natural byproduct of that is that you're of benefit. To the world, instead of a detriment, you know, That's to right. the people around you, you know.
2: Sure. You are also yeah. serving as an example for people, and and right. I think often times the suffering in early life is is like a uh, you know being shot from a you know a bow, an arrow. It it, it propels you to overcome certain things, and on the way you learn. <laughs> you don't realize at the time, but you you learn so much. You know, yeah, about, like the, about um, what's going on and, and you know, and you, it also uh, gives you compassion because you understand others' suffering. I mean, my suffering from depression and overcoming it allowed me to, you know, have a lot of compassion for others and, you know, to want to heal, help them. And, uh, and you know, I would never have any idea about it if I didn't go through it myself. So that's, uh, that's great. But we're going... Uh, we're getting towards the the uh, half hour mark so I just want to tell people remind them they're listening to Getting On Top on Block Talk Radio we're here Tuesdays now from 4 to 4.30pm 4 and we broadcast from the southern Hudson Valley region, New York State the northern suburbs of New York City <clears throat> and my guest today is Blake D. Bauer and we're talking about the ideas that are in his book you were not born to suffer. And you can find out more about Blake at wwwunconditional dot unconditional self com and if anyone wants to find out more about me, Paul Morris, uh, you can go to depressivesanonymous.org, depressivesanonymous.org. dot org. dot org. So By the way, uh, we're going to hit the 30-minute mark, and the live feed will end. Uh, If anyone is caught off guard, you could just uh, wait till the end of the show, and uh, you could play the archive, uh, you know, fast-forward it to that point, and then listen to the rest. Okay. So, uh, another very interesting uh, topic here that I've been looking at a lot lately is the inner child and you have one of your chapters is love and heal your inner child. Could you tell our listeners about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um most of our um unhealthy habits uh and the causes of them go back to our pain as children, you know, the wounds we carry from really beginning in our mother's womb. So I I'm of the mind that we um, like a sponge soak up our mother's beliefs and her emotions that she's feeling in her body because we're literally, you know, we're like, we're baked inside of her. So it's kind of like an mm-hmm. oven. If an oven, you know, has an orange scent in it, you, you know, whatever's in that oven is going to soak up that, that, that scent. So I think it starts there. And, and then as children, you know, we get hurt, we, we you know, often feel things that we don't understand, and we don't know how to talk about them, so they become internalized. Um, a lot of things we learn to reject. We learn to criticize ourselves. We learn to, you know, hold back out of fear. We learn to feel guilty, sometimes for existing, sometimes for just having feelings. We feel guilty. We feel guilty for having an imagination that's often shut down because life Mm -hmm. has become so serious for our parents that they don't have time or space to nurture our innocent imagination. Um, So there's a lot of wounds that we carry from childhood that some of us are very aware of. And some of us are just not until we realize that, you know, the problems we're having in our adult life are very much connected to the pain we felt as kids, but didn't know how to communicate or talk about or feel supported in. So, for me and for you know thousands of people that I've worked with, and I believe for all of us, a key to finding true peace and happiness and health now as adults, regardless of our age or stage in life, has a lot to do with healing our inner child. And there's a metaphor I really love in spiritual teachings, which talks about the you know we re- we we return through the healing and spiritual journey. We return to the innocence of childhood. We have the wisdom of life lived, and um you know that we're 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 trying to basically you know peel back all the layers of ego and protection and fear and pain that we've built up since we were little, so we can get back to that you know innocent joy and wonder and curiosity yeah. about the world and uh, but yet have the wisdom of, you know, life with us that mm-hmm. we've experienced in this lifetime. So, yeah. um, does that does that sum up? You know, yeah, I no, I, a I think yeah. I, absolutely. In fact, you know, you
2: used the word innocence, and and that's an interesting word. I was just thinking about it today, and and some of the most beautiful things in life about people is their innocence. You know, it, it, yeah. it's. It's really, uh, it's really something that you know may sound like it's unimportant, but I think in some ways the more innocent someone is, and and still you know viable, the more close they are to, to real spirit. You know what I mean? They're unencumbered, Absolutely. in a way. They're pure, yes. and, and there's nothing more beautiful in any aspect of life in any way of you know, creating something odd or whatever than, in, than pure innocence. It's just, you know, un, unblemished, if you will. And it's mm. quite an accomplishment to to be able to have that and still function, you know, on a, on a high level at the same time. That's, you know, so yeah, I think, uh, you hit it right on the head. It's, uh, mm. innocence is, is a beautiful, beautiful thing. <laughs> Can be a very beautiful thing. Um, you're also talking about breaking free of your ego. So what can you tell uh, listeners about ego and its good and bad aspects?
1: What yes, absolutely. Well, it's it's very much actually connected to the last question that you asked about the inner child. And, you know, in, in my own uh, study and personal spiritual path. You know, obviously, there's so many different views on what the ego is. And eventually, I came to a conclusion that I didn't find anywhere else and which rings true for me and has now helped a lot of people, this perspective, which is that when we're children, because of that innocence, we come into this world where there's a lot of pain and a a lot of confusion and you know, we're around our parents who are often not that happy or they're struggling or they're reactive. And, you know, we go out into the world and there's cars and there's, you know, loud things that are overwhelming for our senses. And then we go to school and we have to deal with, you know, socially with other people and their stuff. And so I I came to the conclusion that as, as small children, we create an ego in the same way that, and again, this is going back again to that idea of a hundred percent responsibility. So we're not blaming anyone or anything outside of us. We're taking responsibility for it. And that's part of why this is a really important point, which is that I believe that the, the highest perspective is to look at the we We create our ego as children in the same way a caterpillar creates a cocoon for it to become a butterfly. I in my experience, we create an ego, which is another word for the defensive aspect of our personality. It's the identity that we believe and we get attached to and we defend like, you know, this is who I am. This is what I like. You know, these are the posters that I have on my wall. Uh, this is the music I like. These are the clothes I wear. Um, and it's our way as, as young children as starting to assert, some form of control over our environment because as children we feel so vulnerable and powerless, like we're so dependent on mom and dad and our environment, our caregivers, that we develop this psychic shell and this defensive aspect of our personality to protect us and to give us some sense of control in a world where we feel we have no control. So if we can control who we think we are which is very different from who we actually are. We feel a bit more safe in the world and so we we create this to protect us from pain and we cre- we create this to nav you know to navigate the world that's often quite confusing and ultimately what I found is that it was a a, a cocoon for our soul or for my soul until I went through the inner transformation to then break free of my ego and live as a free and full expression of who I am. And I believe that's the same process for all of us, that we're vulnerable, innocent little caterpillars, and we create an ego to protect us from pain until we have the tools to love ourselves and heal that pain, and then we don't need to protect ourselves anymore because we have the skills to not live in fear, and we have the skills to communicate our emotions and be ourselves, and then that's how we become our full potential that's how we become like the butterfly a free right. and full expression of who we are and we don't need to control everything anymore because we're not afraid you know yes control control is what people do when they
2: they feel uh, weak and vulnerable we have less than 10 minutes there's a couple of topics i'd like to cover cuz they are very interesting one of your chap later chapters here is take the vulnerable path what does that
1: mean exactly well, for me, um, you know, this this is, again, it's it's quite fascinating how our conversation just seems to be progressing quite naturally and, and like a flower opening. Um, it's tied up with what we were just talking about because as as we learn to love ourselves and we thus heal the pain from our childhood and from all the pain that we have built up over the years by not loving ourselves. So most of us have hurt ourselves so deeply for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, 70 years, Mm -hmm. by criticizing ourselves, by judging ourselves, by stopping ourselves from speaking and acting based on our truth. We've hurt ourselves quite deeply. So as we begin to heal the inner child and we begin to heal the wounds from the past and we begin to identify where we're not loving ourselves, how we're not loving ourselves, you know, how we're not being true to ourselves or valuing ourselves, Then we start to heal our heart and we drop out of our head and drop away from the ego in more into a heart space where we're not rejecting ourselves as much and we're not as afraid of being rejected or judged by others. And so we start to live more and more from the heart, which is vulnerable, which is Mm. the only place that we can ever find true fulfillment and true peace is when we're living from our heart and we're honest and we're, true to our feelings in every moment and in every relationship instead of you know repressing and internalizing what we feel and then living up in our head and thinking that that's going to protect us from pain and get us what we want but it never does and it just keeps us running right. in circles like a like a puppy dog chasing its tail right. when you know the only path to what we want is is when we're in our heart vulnerable and we can actually receive from life. Because if we're not in our heart right now, you can't receive from the conversation we're having. We can't receive from the food we're eating. We can't receive from the sun shining on us or the air we're breathing. It's like we have to be fully in our heart, fully in the present moment and vulnerable. Um, You know, instead of closed down and trapped in our head, always trying to get somewhere else, always trying to be more, do more, have more you know, to be enough or to be at peace or to be lovable. Um, And it's just a game that we're all playing and we all buy into. and, And the media, you know, is based on that. The economy is based on that. So, you know, it's easy to get lost in that confusion. You know, that vulnerability is somehow weak. You know, we learn, especially as men, you know, to be vulnerable is to be weak, to cry is weak, you know, which is, it's bullshit. Excuse my language, but, you know it's just something we've been sold which is not true and yeah. it's at the it's it's at the root of our unhappiness it's at the root of depression yeah. it's at the root of alcoholism it's at the root of divorce you know all these things are because we're so afraid to be vulnerable we don't know how to be vulnerable well
2: yeah i i think the thing is it takes a great deal of confidence self confidence to make ourselves vulnerable because when you're vulnerable you could be hurt And uh, in fact, you know, in the book "Games People Play," uh, which was the predecessor of "I'm Okay, You're Okay," he talks about you know true true intimacy, which most couples never reach because in order to reach it, you have to make yourself vulnerable, and most people are afraid to do that because they're afraid of rejection. And uh, but the people that do have true love and have true connection with the other individuals. So that's such a such an important aspect of life. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm glad you, you touched on that. Never settle for less.
1: What's that about? Hmm. Well, I think for me, and I, I would say I believe this is true for all of us, is that we know if we are not being true to ourselves deep down, we know if we're not being honest to ourselves or we're lying to ourselves, whether it's when we go to sleep at night or we wake up in the morning or we look in the mirror or we have this, you know, flash of clarity, you know, they come for all of us in different forms. And I think we all know, you know, that we're capable of finding peace. We're all capable of being happy. We're all capable of being healthy. We're all capable of finding true intimacy, like you were saying, and true love. But most of us grew up with examples of people who settle. You know, most of us have parents, for example, that settle for less. And so we've all learned to settle for, you know, a marriage or a relationship that's not great. And we've all learned to settle for a job that's not fulfilling, that just pays the bills. And we've all learned to settle for, you know, just leaving all our untapped potential, you know, just, you know, disregarded because you know, it's just not realistic and that's not the way the world works. And, um, you know, so, you know, for me, I've, um, you know, had that drive just not to settle in my life and because I believe it's settling leads to suffering. And for me, it leads to suffering and for the people that I, you know, have grown up around and, and seen professionally as an adult, you know, it just led to suffering. And so, Um, for me, the only path to peace and self-respect, you know, like that word you used before, you know, I can only respect myself if I know I am being all that I can be. If I'm I'm being fully myself and not compromising myself or selling myself short. And, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, we all want to have that deep self-respect, which leads to the confidence you were talking about that says, you know, um, I am not settling in my life.
2: I have to interrupt you because we're, we're running out of time. So we just have a moment to, you know, maybe sum up, uh, so we don't get cut off. So why don't you, uh, Blake, uh, you know, sum up quickly, and then I could, you know, end the show. Okay. Well, I we think, have a hard you know, break for,
1: for the for the listeners, the key. Yeah, is, like a minute, to Everything is. A okay. I would just say for our listeners, you know, to help them as much as possible that, you know, all the depression or stuck feeling that you feel or the disease you have in your body is all the result of not speaking and acting based on what you really feel. So if you can say what you need to say and then act based on your heart's truth, even when you're scared, it's not that you don't have fear, but that you do it anyways, then that's the path out of suffering into peace and to happiness. So that's, that's what I would leave them with. Thank
2: you, and and it reminds me of what Joseph Campbell used to say: "Follow your bliss." You know, yeah, your yes. heart knows. Your heart knows the, tra- the trail. So, thank you, uh, Blake Bower. Uh, you have a great deal of wisdom for a young man your age. It took me a lot longer to learn, <laughs> to learn these things. Um, and uh, thank you, listeners, for listening. You're listening to Getting On Top on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be back next week, Tuesday at 4 p.m. And um, we're going out with Freight Train Freddie. Bye, Blake.
1: And, uh, Bye, Paul. To Thank talk you to so you again much for having me.
2: Maybe we could talk on Skype sometime. Okay, take care. That'd
1: be lovely. Thank you for having Bye me. Bye
2: now. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
0: He was up each morning with the dawn Because he knew his daily run was long and hard And he had to be ready To get his freight train down the track Determination he would never lack The little locomotive called Freight Train Freddy Everybody was his friend, and they all helped him to the end to keep those freight cars rolling along steady. He never knew what to expect and was very careful not to wreck the little
1: 18- plus.